Louise Gibson is no ordinary single mother. After repeated running injuries, Lou switched over to cycling and has since ridden the full route of the Tour de France as team manager and one of the riders of the Internationales. Their 10 female cyclists and several crew from across the globe united in the fight for equality and to boost women's cycling. Lou has also represented Great Britain twice at the UCI Grand Fonda World Championships, placed third overall in the 2020 Virtual Revolve 24 24-hour challenge in a four-female team, and she's also ever rested twice. The big question in this episode, why shouldn't women have the same opportunities as men? I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra Family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in to today's very special episode with Lou Gibson. She's the team manager and one of the riders of the Internationales. Great story behind that that we'll get into. Now, it's a group comprised of 10 female cyclists and several crew members from all around the globe. They're united in the fight for equality and to boost a woman's cycling. But more than that, They've also put together a four-female team recently in the Virtual Revolve 24, 24-hour challenge. They placed third overall, so well done to them, and we'll dive into that as well. But in addition to that, on her own, Lou has represented Great Britain twice at the UCI Grand Fondo World Championships. She's ridden the full route of the Tour de France, and she's even ever rested twice, something that's been very popular this year. So Lou, thanks for joining me on the show today. Really a pleasure. Thank you. So that's exciting. So you've done two Everest. Was any of those this year? Yeah, both were, th- both were this year. One was in September and one was last weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're fresh off of that. Are you, are you recovered from that? Pretty much. Yeah. The one in September was outside. That took a little bit longer to recover from. But last uh, weekend was just a virtual Everest. So, okay, um, cool. I mean, it's not easy spending nearly 12 hours on your turbo, but it's easier than doing it outside. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that means a whole lot. I mean, just the mental grit and determination right. you need to sit on, sit on the indoor. Well, that's awesome. There's so much to cover. I'm really excited to be able to discuss yourself as an athlete, but also the group that you're part of, Internationals, and kind of the reason behind that and what's fueling all of you ladies to do what you're doing. It's a very yeah. exciting episode. But before we get into all of that and much more. I would like to, of course, start with our usual sprint round of questions, a series of questions to get to know you in a fun way. But before then, I want to show some of these beautiful photographs that you've sent through, very representative of yourself as a, an accomplished ultra cycling adventurer. <laughs> of course, we do see this one photo here on an indoor, yeah. looking very serious, <laughs> very focused. And of course, we will be discussing much more, including the Revolve 24 again that you ladies just completed, third overall, the reason behind some Mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And it will be great to learn about the team as well. Yeah. So, of course, the first question, Lou, is, well, how long have you even been riding bicycles? Um, I rode bikes as a kid, as most most people do, just for fun and stuff, but mm. actually took up cycling seriously um, as a proper sport probably about 
six years ago um i used to run and just kept getting injured so eventually mm. had to stop running and that's when i took up cycling wow yeah, it's amazing. It's a common theme amongst other guests on the show. Hey, even for myself, I began as an endurance runner and uh, man, it's tough on, on a lot of things, your joints. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, how about being an ultra cyclist? When would you consider that you've ridden much longer endurance rides? Uh, I think really only last year doing the full route of the Tour de France. Before that, I'd never done anything massive before. If I had done a really big day, I'd never got back on and done another big day the next day. So I'd say only for the last year have I become, you know, ultra endurance stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. And just to provide us a context for those who aren't familiar or for those who have not memorized it, such as myself, how long is the Tour de France route? Um, so it's uh, 21 stages and it's about 2,200 miles within three wow. weeks. Yeah, so that's amazing. Over 100 miles a day, and including mount like mountains, proper mountains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a great way to throw yourself in the deep end for ultra right? cycling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou, how many bicycles do you own? Oh, uh, I just bought another one as well. I think I've got maybe five. Um, oh, nice. and they're all Bianchi and most of them are pink as well <laughs> oh that's so cool all right so some of those bikes that we're looking at here like like to yeah. pull that up because I was noticing that I mean just beautiful color now yeah. does it all... come standard like that or do you have to get it custom painted custom. yeah so that, oh, wow. okay. that one is uh, Bianchi Specialissima and you can have it in any color you like mm. uh, the bike shop knew that I wanted a pink bike for quite a long time and then when that one came in they said oh no you can get it in any color so I said okay cool I'll get it in pink oh, cool. but when I went to pick it up I was like oh wow it's really pink <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's uh, it's very nice it's like it. it yeah yeah so which is your favorite bicycle that one the that one yeah okay yeah. cool the and one I've what, ordered is actually the same. It's a new model of the same thing, but with disc brakes. Ah, so nice, nice. I think that's going to give me a little bit more confidence on some of the big descents and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for, the moment is that, that pink one's my favorite. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're all prepared for the uh, next Tour de France, it seems like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you use a Garmin or Wahoo or another bicycle computer? Yeah, I've got a Wahoo, a pink one. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, they brought, I was Garmin <laughs> until last year. And then Wahoo brought out a pink one. I'd been having some issues with battery life and stuff on my Garmin. It was a few years old. And then when the pink Wahoo came out, I was just like, oh man. <laughs> and then I went, I went Wahoo Jeez. and it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. Really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Jeez, it sounds like everything is made for you these days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about when it comes to like bicycle equipment, is there a certain tire, a size tire that you prefer using and at a certain tire pressure or anything like that? I have my tire pressure quite high, actually. A few people have said, oh, that's, you know, that's too high because I don't weigh very much and stuff. But I always pump it mm. up to about 100 PSI, mm. which is quite high. But I'm, I've kind of got myself convinced that if I have it too low, I'll get more punctures and stuff like that. So it, uh, that, that's what I'm used to. Yeah, we always have to navigate those kind of practical implications of the choices that we make. And yeah. yeah, nobody likes getting a flat, especially if you're doing the Tour de France route. Actually, we were very lucky on the tour because the roads are like velvet because the pros are coming right. through the next day that we had yeah. out of all of the miles we did, we had two punctures in total with 10 oh. of us riding over 2000 miles. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah really yeah. incredible. Yes, and that's my understanding. We have an episode coming soon with Jean-Philippe Soulet. He's based out there in France. He has an ultra event called the Ultra Bike Pursuit. 
and you're riding through all of the Pyrenees, uh, both through Spain, France, and actually Andorra. And he was telling me about the Tour de France route and how it is just beautifully paved and, you know, obviously very well done. Whereas a lot of the route that, that his ride takes is not on the same kinds of roads. So much yeah. different road conditions. Very different. We noticed actually if we did any slight detours off the main route of the Tour de France, the road was surface was very, very different. They right. literally resurfaced the whole route and that is all they do. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, not exactly. the whole town or anything, just the specific <laughs> route they go through. Yeah. That's just amazing. And it just yeah. goes to show what a big deal that that ride oh, is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, it's right. a logistical nightmare for them, I'm sure. <laughs> Now, Lou, I'm curious, for your training, do you train by time or uh, by distance? Time, normally, yeah. Yeah, my coach puts in um, amount of time to spend in certain zones. So it's actually quite specific. And, and that's why it suits me to do a fair amount of my training inside on turbo, because you can mm. be really specific with the what's you're hitting for a certain amount of time and stuff like that. Sometimes he'll say, go out and do 100 miles, um, but mostly it's on, it's on time, yeah. Oh, makes sense. Cool. So you do have a coach. You take things very seriously and are structuring all of your workouts. So yes. I'd imagine then you're training with a power and or heart rate. Both. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you, do you ever do a functional threshold FTP test? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually, the last few I've done, I've done a ramp test instead of the oh, okay. 20 minute uh, test that I used to do. I mean, mm. they hurt, they all hurt, don't they? And you almost think you're going to die every time you do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, my coach gets me doing them every couple of months. He's put one down for me on Christmas Eve. No so way. <laughs> <laughs> nice I think I'll enjoy Christmas once it's done, but I'm already starting right. to dread Christmas Eve now. <laughs> Jeez, that's amazing. <laughs> now, do you know what your, your last FTP was? Yeah, my last one um, was 250 watts. Wow. So you're a very strong, strong rider. Quite strong. And I, I weigh like 54 kilos. So yeah, my FTP is like high, high fours, which is, which wow. is great. Yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So 250 divided by that by 54, 4.62. Yeah. So that's, that's very impressive. Yeah. So it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm quite small and, and yeah, yeah. I often surprise people because I, I look, you know, I'm on a little pink bike and I'll <laughs> often overtake quite a few people going up hills and stuff. They'll be like, Oh my gosh. But yeah. I love that. <laughs> I can imagine with that power to weight ratio. I mean, you can uh, outdo a lot of people on those climbs. I'd imagine they're riding those tour de France climbs. Uh, you're feeling yeah. pretty good. Well, yeah. if I, if I were to see you on the road looking like that, I wouldn't think uh, you'd be slow or anything like that at all. I'd be kind of intimidated. <laughs> I'd probably let you go up the climb first and I'll just watch and yeah, I'll wait for you at the top. <laughs> yeah. Very cool though. So yeah, a very long time cyclist as well. Now I'm curious when you're training or even just racing, what's your favorite ride snack? What do you like eating on the bike? Uh, flapjacks um i quite i quite like them they're my favorite instead of like a cake or something i like a flapjack yeah. um but I, I quite like savory stuff too so like crisps and um <laughs> okay. when, when we uh everest did a couple of months ago um one of one of our supporters brought some chips yeah uh, you know french fries hey. and they were really salty and hot and mm. oh my gosh i think they were the most <laughs> delicious thing i'd eaten we're about 15 yeah. hours in and oh. I was kind of hungry, but didn't really, didn't really want any food. But when I saw those French fries, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. A lot of the, <laughs> the races that I do, the organized events out here in California, you know, I love the potatoes with a ton of salt on them. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the chips, very delicious as well. Okay, yeah. now interesting distinction. Obviously, you're, um, you're British and you, you referenced two things. Uh, first, you said crisps and then you said chips. But for us okay. Americans, so chips are like French fries, yes. uh, oddly enough, and crisps are like potato chips for us. Uh, so it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason I even know that is because I'm, you know, originally from South Africa. It was a British colony as well. So yes. it's the same over there. Okay. I wanted to That's make great. that distinction. So that way, you know, the American viewers who are watching will understand what on earth you're talking about. <laughs> there we are. Anything involving potatoes, I'll eat it. <laughs> oh, yes, most definitely. Okay, Lou, how about, how about uh, what you like drinking on the bike? Um, I normally put uh, like an electrolyte like tablet in my bottle. If I'm doing anything for less than an hour and a half, water's fine. Mm. But for the long stuff, I'd use like um, electrolyte stuff or um, like energy, um, you know, carbs and stuff like that to make sure I'm getting the amount in. Because I don't always remember to eat all the time. So at least if mm. I've got carbs in my bottle, I know I'm taking on enough fuel and stuff. And then when I stop, I sometimes, especially with the long stuff, I really enjoy a Coke. Like mm. I, I find that hits the spot. And a couple of times last week during the Everesting, in between some of my stints, I was just like having a breather and just drinking some Coke. And I find that kind of refreshed me and stuff. Yeah, most definitely. I think we can all relate as ultra cyclists. I mean, the even just the carbonation, it just really yeah. helps to refresh. And then the sugar, it's it's all very good. And caffeine helps oh, as caffeine. well. Actually. Yeah. I, often, I often take um, caffeine tablet or, you know, the Coke or a Red Bull or something <laughs> before okay. the long days. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Okay, now after a, a nice long, hard, you know, Everesting that you did indoor or maybe some other event, maybe after one of the stages of the Tour de France, what's your favorite post-ride meal? What do you like oh, eating God. afterwards? Everything. <laughs> 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 I think one of the um, one of the best meals we had at the end of the Tour de France last year, we just finished the last mountain stage. So we'd finished stage 20. We had just basically some laps of Paris to do the next day. So we'd done all the hard stuff. And we went to this restaurant just down from one of the mountains. And I had my favourite French dish, which is called tartiflette, which is a mountain dish with potatoes and tonnes of cheese. Like it's... It's obscenely bad for you, I'm sure, but it's absolutely delicious. <laughs> I remember I was dunking bread in it and oh, yeah. it's melted. I think there's some bacon in there too. It's really wow. salty as well. And yeah, it's basically just potatoes, cheese, and bacon, and it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds delicious. Well, a good motivation to do an Everest, so then you could have that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then when we did the Everest in September, it's not healthy at all. It's probably the worst thing we could have. Ever. We went directly to McDonald's and just stuffed <laughs> our faces. It's bad. <laughs> that's so funny. I know that's hilarious. But hey, sometimes uh, it's good for the soul, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Not very healthy. And my coach would kill me. But occasionally, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I, I have those blowouts occasionally. I, I yeah. love burgers and all that stuff. So sure. I do tend to treat myself to yeah. a, nice, a nice big meal afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Got to live a little. <laughs> absolutely. 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 All right. So Lou, well, I'm wondering, you know, at your power to weight ratio and all these other factors, do you prefer climbs, descents, rollers, or the flats? Um, not dis descending is my least favorite because I'm mm. still, even though I've been riding up, you know, five, six years now, I'm still very cautious. Mm. I still get the voices which tell me that, oh, if you come off, you're going to die and that kind of <laughs> stuff. So I am cautious. I use my brakes quite a lot. So descending is not my strongest point. Climbing probably is, although 
it hurts and I kind of like, oh, I don't like doing this, but I, I'm quite good at climbing. I do quite like flats and powering along the flats. I think some of the races that I've done the best in have been in, in a, a big group and, and sticking with the, you know, the front people and being mm. able to power along in flats. So I'm probably somewhere between flat and climbing, but definitely not descending is my mm, favorite. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so what's the max speed that you would be comfortable descending? And at that point, you're like, oh, it's getting a little... I think the most I've ever been is about 40. Anything more than that, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's it long and, and I can see where I'm going, that's not so bad. But when it's mm. windy and stuff, like, especially if I don't know the road, I yeah. just, yeah, I'm often worried about something coming the other way or an animal running out or something like that. So I just, yeah, I just definitely. all of those thoughts in my head that then just get me to put the brakes on and stuff a bit. Mm. Yeah, it is true, though. Even as careful as you are, even as technically savvy as you may be, there could be mm -hmm. other hazards in the way. So, you know, I always err on the side of caution myself, but uh, we've had some folks on the show, 65, I think we even had a 70 miles per hour uh, downhill and uh, geez, at that speed. I, uh, I, I mean, I see I see people when I'm, I go out with my um, my local club every now and again when 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 right group rides are on and when we can go out and stuff and i'll be going down a hill and someone will shoot past me. i think gosh i wouldn't even go that far in my fast in my car and i trust <laughs> in my car and yeah. stuff people on these little skinny tires right. brakes that probably won't even work at that speed and i just think right. oh my it just makes me <laughs> yeah that's funny i have the same thought processes sometimes <laughs> yeah okay lou when do you enjoy riding the most during the fall winter spring or summertime summer definitely definitely mm. i'm i'm kind of struggling at the moment over here because it's it's now you know we're getting towards mid-december so we've almost got the shortest days it's getting dark at four mm. o'clock in the afternoon it's dark in the mornings until about eight eight thirty so there's limited sunlight hours you have to put on so many layers it's often raining i'm just like oh mm. whereas in the yeah. summer you just it's great just wearing shorts and a jersey and not having to think about you know any of that stuff and i think i'm i'm solar powered i just love the sun and the <laughs> that's so yeah, cool i love that it. solar powered you know, that reminds me, actually, we just released a short while ago an episode with Om Hitendra Mahajan, an Indian ultra cyclist, 18 years old. He broke a record riding from the northern end of India to the southern. And actually, he broke a record that was standing already. Yeah, very impressive. But of course, he comes from a whole family line of race across America, racers, and other ultras. But he was kind of saying the same thing that uh, he didn't say it in that way, but he's essentially solar powered. So yeah. he did his record in just about nine days and uh, he, he structured his sleeps, you know, mostly when it was darker. So that way he could be riding most when it's uh, bright outside. Yeah. And, uh, so I'll have to tell him that next time when he's talking yeah, about it. That's pretty cool. So Lou, what time of day do you prefer riding? I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. So I don't actually love to get up too early, but I think mm. it's best to get the riding done and then you can go about the rest of your day. Whereas so often with my training, I start procrastinating and then the day goes by and I just think, oh gosh, I should have done it early. So the best thing to mm. do is to get up and get it done. But sometimes life gets in the way and you know, you've, yeah. I work as well. I've also got two little boys. So <laughs> there's other things that, that do get in the way of my training. Oh, boy. Um, That's exciting how old yeah. are your your sons so i've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old wow all right so you're yeah. well ahead of me i have a nine month old oh cute <laughs> yeah, it's been a handful my first so it's quite a big learning curve yes yes <laughs>
And it's true that, you know, for most of us, we do get our training in early in the day for logistic reasons, other reasons, you know, maybe just motivation, getting it out of the way. Now, do you know Christoph Strasser? No. Okay. He is uh, effectively like the, the, he's the, the, the best ultra cyclist in the world currently. He's won the Race Across America six times. And oddly enough, you would think someone like that would love training in a day, you know, and waking up early and those kinds of things, like a lot of high performing athletes. But in fact, he hates waking up early and riding early. He prefers riding in the evening. (laughs) Right. Gosh. In dark. Fascinating. No, not in the dark, though. Okay, but just in the evening. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Now, Lou, what do you think? Does ultra cycling require more physical or mental training and strength? I, th- I think mental, I think I, I found a few times if my head is checked out, it doesn't matter how strong my legs are. If, if my mind's saying, no, I can't make my d- legs do anything. But mm. then, you know, conversely, when your head is in a really strong place, your legs can just be falling apart, but you'll just keep going and you'll find mm. that energy from somewhere. So I think, I think, it, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe as much as 90% mental. I don't know, mm. but it's, it's a yeah, high, yeah. high percentage, I'm sure. Yeah, I could definitely agree. Mind yeah. over matter. It's definitely I important. So. I think so. Now, Lou, you've, you've done a lot of cycling in a very short amount of time. Just wondering, what is one of your favorite events that you've done? Um, I think for me, one of the biggest honors is pulling on a GB kit. Um, I've represented Great Britain twice now. And that was something I never thought I would do because Mm. when I used to be a runner, I wasn't even particularly a good runner. I was fit and I did, you know, London marathon and stuff, but I didn't get a good time or anything like that. Whereas to, to then become a cyclist and then be representing my country for me, I just found that unbelievable. And, and, you know, I'm so proud and stuff. So that's been my, my best events have been the GB ones. That's a great story. And I love how you've been able to make such great progress through this time. I'd love to show this photo. Yeah, that's in my GB kit. Uh, yeah, very, very nice. Do you remember where this was? <laughs> Actually, that was at Revolve um, oh. the, at Brands Hatch. Um, right. on, uh, that was last year, I think it was. So that's another 24-hour race. I got the sunrise shift. And to motivate myself, because it was just starting to get light and stuff, I, I put my GB kit on because it's my favorite and yeah, then yeah. did my hour of uh, laps of, of Brands Hatch track. So that, yeah, that was oh. just over a year ago. Yeah, that's an awesome photo. Okay, yeah. so just to understand better, I'm not intimately familiar with the Revolve 24 series of events. My understanding is that there are several courses, actual physical courses, where it's conducted each year, one of them being here at the Brands Hatch, as you just mentioned, right? Of mm-hmm. course, this year, it was virtual, as many races were. So just give me a bit of a context of Revolve 24. Yeah, so um, as far as I know, there's, there's two. So there's Brands Hatch in UK and The Bend in Australia. Um, and it's an event that happens each year um, for, and there's various things you can enter. So there's a 24 hour Uh, race there's a 12 hour and a six hour and you can either do it solo um teams of two or teams of four um but this year yes it all went virtual so it was probably about a month ago now i suppose um and this year i entered it um as a team of four uh and yeah it was all virtual so we had to do it online um where we went on the different courses 
so we did brands hatch and the bend and stuff like that um, on the full gas was the system they were using so similar to swift i hadn't used full gas before actually but yeah it was pretty good so we had our our team of four um it was kind of handy because we're we're all based around the world so there was rianne and i from uk then we had julianne who's based in australia and michelle in texas so we were all on different time shifts and stuff <laughs> and we just took it in turns to work through each of our slots but yeah we did we did really well um we were pushing hard the whole time um so we'd race for about an hour then you'd have about three hours break and then go on for an hour so each of us did about six stints during the 24 hours um and yeah we we, we kicked a lot of butt <laughs> yeah that's awesome what was the most difficult part for you in doing that in all of your shifts or perhaps it was just logistics and communicating with the team yeah it was you get the breaks in between. So you get three hours in between your shifts, but it, you do get tired. It's not enough time to properly sleep or anything. Cause by the time you've got off, you need to eat and get out of your kit and stuff like that. And you know, before you go back on again in a couple of hours, you'll want to put fresh kit on again and all that stuff. So you've probably only got a good maybe hour and a half of proper downtime in between each stint, And that's not really enough. So your tiredness is adding up. So by the, by near the end, you're starting to get really quite, you know, tired and you're just not able to put out the power that you were anymore. And um, that can be a bit frustrating, but, uh, mm. you know, just trying to push your legs on. So early on in the stints, I was averaging 220 watts. And then towards wow. the end, I was, I was struggling to even break 200 watts. So maybe only, you know, 20, 30 watts down, but it's still like, oh, I know I can do better than this and, and mm. stuff. So, yeah, it, it gets hard. You get more and more tired as the day goes on. Yes, most definitely. Something that is common to ultra races as your power wanes down through time. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking here at the 24-hour challenge results. Of course, there's your four-person team, the Internationals. Yeah. And of course, that was overall. So, yeah, but first females to complete. Charlton Kings were first. That was a four-person male team. And then, of course, the Gravel Devils, two-person. That was only two guys. That, that's yeah. the one we couldn't believe. We were like, wow, these guys are doing, you know, double the amount of stints we're doing as a team of four. And they were smashing it. They must be incredibly strong. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what some are able to do. Yeah. But, of course, what you with your team did was very impressive and a job well done. So. Tell me about how, I mean, out of all the, the, the ladies that are a part of the internationals, how did you all settle on the four racers that competed in this event? <laughs> we were the only four that wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. We, um, actually, there'd been a similar event the month before, uh, Red Bull Time Lapse, which is hmm. almost the same as, as Revolve 24. And there was, there was a few more of us that wanted to do that. We put one team in um, and then a couple of the girls who did that were like, I'm not never doing that again. So actually I had to say, right, come on, I need a team now. We're doing this again. And a couple of the girls were like, I'm not doing it, not doing it. And the couple were like, oh, I think that's Thanksgiving that weekend. I definitely can't do it. And all these, oh, I might be moving house. One girl said she was washing her hair. <laughs> so actually I had to scrape together a team. So we were the only idiots that wanted to put ourselves through all that pain. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. What a great story. <laughs> So I want to share this photo. Is this yeah. uh, the team? 
that was the team at the Tour de France last year. Yeah, at the top mm. of one of the most amazing climbs. That one was beautiful, really stunning all the way up. Um, yeah, we were very lucky to have such a great route last year on the Tour de France. And it, at, each, at the top of each of those climbs was just an amazing achievement to, to know mm. that you'd got from, you know, the bottom to the top, just, just with your little legs. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is quite amazing when you think of yourself in the context of Mother Nature. We're so yeah. tiny. Absolutely. <laughs> but yet it, it goes to show what uh, the human body is capable of achieving. And like you said, if you put your mind to it, it's definitely possible. It's way more than you could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah right. So I'm very curious about the internationals. I want to kind of go back in time figure out how it even started, the motivations, kind of what you women are all up to these days and what we can all look forward to in the years to come. Cool. Okay. So we were inspired by a French team called Donon de Zello Velo, who ride the full route of the Tour de France each year in a move for equality because mm. there is no women's Tour de France. There's um, a one day version, which just isn't good enough. So um, they started as quite a small group, um, a girl and a friend, and then grew their group. Uh, and they're six years in now mm. of riding the full route each year, just to prove this that, group that here. can do it. Yeah, that's them. Um, Claire, the lady on the right, is, is the founder of it. And each year they open up for applications for, for new people to, to join the team. Last year, so many international uh, women were interested that they put us all in touch to form our own international team to ride with them. So um, that that's where we came about really. So just by the powers of the internet, we didn't all know each other beforehand. We were all put in, we were all sent a group email to say, you know, you've all applied. Would you like to form your own team? Um, here, talk to each other type thing. So yeah, we just, we just took over, formed our own team, uh, roped in a couple of other friends just to make sure we had enough people to make it, you know, financially viable mm. uh, with filling a couple of vans and stuff, for logistics and stuff. And yeah, 10 of us came together. We decided on the name International Internationals because we're an international team of L's, which is French for she um, mm. or her. And uh, yeah, and then we actually all met for the first time in Brussels last year at the start of the Tour de France. So it was, it was interesting. L thankfully, we all got on well and all had an amazing time, but it was a bit yeah. of a social experiment coming together <laughs> with people from all over the world being thrown into such a, you know, extreme environment of mm. craziest challenge of riding the full route of the Tour de France. It was nuts. You know, we were mm. riding for up to 10 hours a day, sleeping only for five or six hours a night maximum. So uh, for three weeks in a row uh, with barely any, any breaks at all. So it was, it was full on, but it was the most incredible experience ever. So we, we did that. We, we, and we were, we got a lot of publicity. We had a lot of people talking about what we were doing because a lot of people don't realize there is no women's tour de France. They just presumed they hadn't seen it or it wasn't on TV or, or whatever. But then when they find out, no, actually women aren't allowed to ride the tour de France, then people start asking questions and just like, what, how can that be? And, and, and stuff. So we, um, yeah, we got a lot of publicity and then actually the ASO, which is the, um, the organizer of the Tour de France, they've said that they are, they are now working on a women's Tour de France. So we're, hmm. we're waiting to hear. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be equivalent to the men's, but anything is better than the one day event that the women currently have. So progress is being made, but it's, 
it's very slow. Um, There's a big gender gap in cycling between men and women. So that's Mm. what we're trying to do is to just try and close that by asking the questions and, and proving what, you know, females are capable of really. Yeah, most definitely. So then, of course, well done to you and your team for all that you have done to this date. And even just Thank recently, you. again, the Revolve 24, I think that's very impressive and definitely representing women cyclists all around the world very well. So it's, it's a pleasure to be able to share this story and to hear from you more about it. Definitely something we can all be passionate about and support. And I would just say that, well, it's a funny story that you all only met for the first time there at the beginning of the Tour de France, but I could just imagine what kind of team building riding so many miles with those women together uh, was. And I'm sure by the end of it, you were all very close and good friends, right? Yeah, almost instantly. We all bonded. I I think, you know, we all had a giggle on day one. We were like slightly shy and prudish. And then we all needed a a toilet break partway through the rides. Then before we knew it, we're all, you know, (laughs) squatting at the side of the road together thinking, oh my gosh, just thrown in at the deep end and just (laughs) embarrassment out the window and suddenly all best friends. It's a real leveler, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. If you want to get, if you want to get to know some people, well, just go on a bike ride with them and you, well, and, you know, I think happens. there's something in that I found a few times when you're riding with someone I've had some really wonderful conversations with people I think because you're not face to face people are a bit braver and people kind of discuss stuff which maybe they they don't or because you're a bit of a stranger they're not you know feeling as embarrassed but it, I think it's wonderful some of the conversations I've had on bikes with people mm. yes it's I really couldn't agree more yeah yeah it's so true that's one of the beauties of the community of cyclists, but especially with the community of ultra endurance cyclists, we all know the pain and the struggle. And yes. you can make all those passes together, those mountain passes there in the Tour de France, and you achieve that and you know what the others have been going through. It really does bring you closer together and it, it bonds you a lot. Yeah. And it's really wonderful to meet people that you would have never otherwise met, you know, Mm. such different backgrounds, like just in our group of 10 between us, there was, you know, teachers, scientists, consultants, um, like the whole range of, of, you know, uh, the psychologist, actually, one of the girls that I rode with most of the time, I found out at the end that she was a psychologist. And I thought, oh gosh, she'll have had a field day on everything that I've been chatting about the last couple of weeks. <laughs> she'll have been analyzing me like crazy. <laughs> That's hilarious. So here's then, another great photo of, of yeah, the team. The end, yeah. yeah, this was at the end there. In Paris. Yeah, that, that was Beautiful. incredible at the end of the, wow. the full tour. We, yeah, so, we I mean, just for yourself, what, what was the feeling there finishing? I mean, even just riding that last day, knowing that, geez, what an adventure we just had you know, looking back, yeah. can't believe it. It seemed almost impossible from day one, just one day after the next. And now all of a sudden it's almost over. How were you feeling on that last day? Just every, all of the emotions, just relief, proud. And then a real big part of just sadness that it was over. It had become mm. our lives and that routine of just, you know, get up, ride, <laughs> sleep, yeah. get up, ride, sleep, obviously a lot of eating in between, but it just, it just became our lives and we didn't want it to be over, even though we were exhausted and couldn't wait to, you know, have a proper sleep in your own bed. It was, it was sadness that it was over, but just overwhelmingly happy and, and relieved as well. It was brilliant. Yeah. So I'd imagine lifelong friends that you have now amongst the team. Yeah. It's very exciting. So what do we have to look forward to for the internationals? in the in the next year so hopefully um 
all this COVID will calm down and we can get our lives back on track again. Um, and we'll actually get to, to, to the Tour de France next year. Um, hopefully we can travel again. We've got um, quite a few Americans on our team and they couldn't even get to, to France this year, um, unfortunately. And those of us that could go would have had to have quarantined on the way back. So we, we didn't go to France to do the tour this year, but hopefully we will next year. Um, and it just, it just doing the full tour de France gives us that stage of being able to talk about what women are capable of, the fact that women should have the same opportunities as men um, and all of that stuff. So hopefully that's what's in store for us next year is the tour de France again. Yeah, that sounds exciting. We really do hope that can happen. We know that the pandemic has really screwed a lot of things over this year. It's made it very interesting. But at the same time, it is incredible that, you know, your team has been able to do things like the Revolt 24 and others. You know, it's just the resourcefulness and the ability, the resilience to overcome these obstacles. And I think that speaks volumes about, you know, yourself and your team as cyclists and ultra endurance, you know, women who are doing a lot of great things. Of course, you learn a lot through the sport of uh, endurance cycling and how to just take it one pedal stroke at a time. It seems like the cause that you're fighting for is definitely worthwhile, but I can imagine with the established industry and many other norms that are out there, it'll be a difficult road ahead, but somebody needs to do it. And it's cool to see yourselves amongst the other women all around the globe pushing and fighting for this cause. And we hope to be able to support more and hope to hear more of the stories that will come out of this. Thank you. It's all very exciting. And I must say that there is somebody that we'll have to introduce, uh, you know, the internationals to, and it is one of our former guests here on the show, episode 19, Lori Hecklin. And I'll tell you, she just loves, she's an American. She lives out here in California. She loves riding in France. She wishes she could do it every year. And in fact, she had actually ever arrested Alpe d'Huez. Awesome. Yeah, so definitely somebody that I think would love what you're doing. Yes, and I'm also sure. love awesome. to ride the Tour de France route. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, and women who've Everested are in a small minority. I think it's about five percent. Mm. Um, wow. Last weekend, a bunch of us joined. Um, there was a group of Australian women trying to boost that mm. number because it is only five percent of, of people who've Everested being women. So a, a bunch of Australian women were were doing a joint. Everesting um, group event last weekend and a bunch of us in solidarity did virtual Everests on our on our turbos at home just to help boost those numbers up as well. That's so awesome. So important to come together. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. And it sounds yeah. like the team of female cyclists are definitely coming together strong. So it's very exciting. Now, what kind of positive change or what ha- reactions have you seen from even just what you have done with the internationals, what kind of like keeps you motivated and the stories that you hear, the feedback that you hear from people are all around the globe or even just amongst your own friends and family that really kind of just is that fire that keeps you fueled? Yeah, it's, it's, it's motivating and inspiring other people, which is great. So we, you know, as well as completing major endurance events, you know, like the 24 hour stuff or like, you know, Tour de France, it's also normalizing women being on bicycles. So just to inspire anyone just to get out there. And what's been fantastic this year during the pandemic is how many people who've taken up cycling, mm. men and women alike, 
I don't know if it's the same in America, but in UK, cycling is booming. You know, you can't even get hold of a new bike at the moment because they're yeah. all sold out. So that's great. People, you know, getting more active. And then they'll say to me, oh, guess what? I've started cycling and you've inspired me. And, and that stuff I find so humbling and, and so mm. wonderful that someone's been able to make a positive change, you know, in their lifestyle and, and getting more out of life and they're happier and stuff like that. It, that is really inspiring. Yeah, most definitely. That's why I'm thankful that we are able to hear part of your story. And, you know, we will look forward to following the journey forward. But, you know, on the subject of the bicycle boom this year since the pandemic, it's so true. In fact, just yesterday, I was calling a bike shop. I was interested in buying my father an e-bike. That way he oh, could yeah. ride a bit more with yeah. with even me on training rides. But so I was looking at a specialized one of their e-bikes, a very popular brand all around the globe, but they're based uh, nearby here in California. And uh, I was told that it would take until April 2021 before I could get shipment of the bike, which is just incredible. Yeah, it just shows us booming. And e-bikes as well. I think some of the stigma has gone that people, you know, thinking that was cheating or whatever. If it's a way for people to still be out there and about on their bicycles, fantastic. Right. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you're interested in doing something very long and hard, but, you know, perhaps a different physical limitation, perhaps your age, or maybe you're just not quite there yet, or you'd like to ride with somebody else. You know, maybe it's a friend, family member. It's so many options these days. And it's great to see that bicycling is taking off in such a powerful way. And of course, the internationals are there at the front uh, leading the way. So it is the perfect time for everything that you are all doing. Yes, I, think I wanted so. to show a couple more photos here that you've sent. I really like this one. Tell me where this one is. Is this that in one? the UK? Yeah, that's in Wales. That was actually the hill that we Everested on. It's called the Buch, and ah. you can see it staking down behind me there. That was at um, sunset. Actually, I was trying to remember whether it was sunrise or sunset. That was sunset. So I was about 16 hours in to my upping and downing all day. We had to go wow. up that hill 27 times to wow. hit the elevation of, of Everest, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It looks like such a beautiful route. I would love to ride there. Yeah. Wow. Even, yeah. You know, even being on it for 17 hours, I didn't get fed up with it. The views were incredible. <laughs> Somehow there was a tailwind up the climb all day, and that never no way. So we were very, very lucky. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that's so cool. So how did you get even introduced to cycling, Lou? I'm curious. It was so... Through all my running injuries, I ended up hurting my hips so badly that I had to go and see a hip specialist, had the MRI and all of the tests and stuff. And I had to have Mm. surgery on my hip because all the cartilage was, you know, all messed up and stuff. And I had um, hip impingement surgery just to, you know, because it was all, you know, messing around. Mm. So I had to have that surgery. And the surgeon said, you must never run again because you will end up having to have a hip replacement. Um... And then, you know, hip replacements don't last forever. So I'd have probably, by the time I became an old lady, I've had it done, you know, a few times. So he said, mm. stop running. Have you ever considered cycling? And I was like, mm, not really, no. Um, didn't even have a bike. Mm. And he said, well, I recommend you take up cycling. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. But <laughs> so I left, I left, you know, had surgery, was on crutches for a while. Didn't do anything for a bit and became quite, you know, depressed and fed up and stuff like that. And then... Mm. Um, I did get a bike, not an expensive one, but got, you know, a road bike to just start getting out and burning calories and stuff. Mm. And then I was actually going through quite a hard time um, at the time as well. I was divorcing and, you know, Mm. fed up with everything and just kind of threw myself into cycling then. 
and um, and then just started to get better at it. I think because I was always in a rush because I had to go and pick one of my little ones up from preschool and I was always in a mood because of, you know, ex-husband stuff. And <laughs> I was just probably training harder than I realised by like, you know, going out there like that and just got better and better, did a couple of sportives, then actually bought a, a good bike, um, with actually my pink one. So I bought my beloved pink bike and then, and then I was completely smitten and started taking it really seriously, joined a club, have made some of the best friends I could have ever imagined with, you know, within my cycling group and stuff. And yeah, so it all came from being an injured runner. That's amazing. What an incredible, inspiring story. It's amazing what you're able to achieve and how far you've come. I'd imagine the first time that you, you got on your bike, you would never have thought you'd be leading oh. an international team of amazing women cyclists from all around the world have ridden the Tour de France route. Amazing. Not in a million years. My first, oh. I remember my first ride. So I live in a town called Marlow, which is mm. just west of London. And I cycled from Marlow to Henley, which is seven miles. And I got to Henley and I went into a cafe and I didn't know whether I was going to faint or be sick. I felt so unwell and oh. I didn't have the energy to cycle home. So I actually phoned my friend to come and pick me up because I couldn't do more than seven miles. Oh. So I would have never imagined that I'd gone on to do what I've done now because I certainly wasn't a natural at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such an incredible story. That's so inspiring and, and very cool. And yeah, it definitely goes to show for anybody, male or female, what you can do if you apply your mind to it. And it's just the grand adventures that you've been on since. I mean, there's no better way to live when you're out there on the roads with great friends. And when you get to meet new people, like you said, and just making lifelong friends and, and team members that you have now as well. Yeah. And That's the places so cool. you see too, I think back to some of the places I've traveled to around the world and I just think, oh my gosh, I wish I'd have been cycling then. I could have enjoyed that on my bike. And I've gone <laughs> back to places on my bike just yeah. to go and experience it. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is wonderful. So for Lou Gibson, what is on your bucket list? What are things that you would still like to do as a cyclist? Um, I, I want to do some of the classic, the classic climbs. So I, I haven't mm. done Alpe d'Huez yet. I haven't done um, Vontu either. I Everested it mm. virtually last weekend. I had to do ah. six repetitions of Bontu. In the Tour de France next year, we are doing um, Bontu twice on stage 11, I think it is. So those are some things I want to tick off. So some of the big, the big classic climbs, uh, you know, that you've heard of from the Tour de France stuff, that's on my bucket list. Um, I've never done London to Paris, which is a classic one for people mm. to tick off as well. Um, and just more cycling in America. So before all of the pandemic stuff, um, I'm, I'm often in America. My fiance lives in Texas. Um, he's over here at oh, the moment. Wow. I would often we go backwards and forwards, um, but I, Europeans can't travel to America any <laughs> at the moment with the <laughs> pandemic. So I've I've really missed being in America this year. Um, so yeah, more more stuff over there, um, and yeah, just more adventures to be had on my bicycle. I think. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun and great adventures. Now here's another climb. How do you pronounce this one? That's called Izaran. Um, oh, that's okay. the highest, I, I believe, the highest paved pass um, oh. in Europe. It, and it was that day was crazy. So mm. that that day on the Tour de France last year, it was the one that was cut short for the men. I don't know if you if you remember. Mm. There was one. Yeah, where yeah. They started chucking it down. There was a landslide, right. and 
and, yes. and we rode it the day before so we didn't quite get the you know the extreme weather the men had but oh, on my wahoo it showed me the difference in temperature from hmm. what you know the lowest point to the highest point and when we were at the bottom in the sunshine it was 40 degrees and then at wow. the top it was kind of like starting to snow and stuff so it was you know freezing so we've gone from being absolutely boiling to, to on the descent really quite cold and you're actually going down through a ski resort it goes down huh. into uh, the ski resort of Val d'Isere um, and I was just like, oh my gosh. And I could see the peace markers. I was like, I'm, I'm actually cycling down a red run. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, I love climbing myself. I have never done anything there in France. I would love to come out there and ride some of these passes as well. I could just imagine how incredible and breathtaking the, the views must be as well. And also just yeah. how fun it must be to go up these beautifully paved roads. It's wonderful, especially at the time of the Tour de France, because all the names are on the roads as well. And the supporters are all out. They're camped out a couple of days before. So it's just you felt like a superstar cycling along. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Must be a lot of fanfare and a lot of fun. Now, here's another one that I was just sharing. Um, How do you pronounce this one? That's Col du Glibier. That one. That's a classic. That's often in the Tour de France as well. That was the end of that day oh my gosh we that's Carmen the, the psychologist she's from <laughs> and um we were just so happy to get to the end of that climb because I think that day we'd done four climbs it wow. was it was huge we've been cycling for you know a good 10 hours or something and when we got to the top of that one we were like oh thank gosh we've, we've made it <laughs> yes I can imagine definitely deserve some McDonald's after that one <laughs> So tell me, Lou, which was the hardest day to which point in the three weeks of cycling were you just, you know, I don't know, just in your mind, you were mentally fatigued. Maybe your body was just exhausted. That one, that that picture Mm. there, that was that that was the the hardest day. And before we hit Galibier, which is what that picture was, we did Mm. a climb called um, Col d'Isouard. And I had done that one before, but it had broken me. I did it on the Etape du Tour, which is a stage of the Tour de France. And part way up it, I just, I just thought oh, I can't do this anymore. And I got off my bike, and I ended up pushing oh. my bike along for a bit. And I never really forgave myself for that. I really beat myself up and thought, oh, this is, you know, I didn't do it mm. properly. So I knew I was going back to that hill that had, had beaten me before. So I'd kind of, I'd really started getting nervous about it. And we did two climbs in the morning. Then we stopped for a bit of lunch. And at lunch, I was, you know, really struggling to eat. And I was so nervous about this climb coming, about mm. whether I was going to be able to even get up. it. And I knew that we had Galibier after that. And I was just wow. like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But thankfully, I, I played music. I had, you know, a speaker, like a Bluetooth speaker on my back. And I mm. cycled with Carmen and we kept chatting. And before we knew it, we, we did the climb. And I just thought, oh, my, well, I've done it. I, I couldn't believe it. I was so relieved. Mm. And then... We had Galibier to do after that, which I was starting to get nervous at. But I just thought, you know what, just just keep pedaling. I'm in my easiest gear. I'm not breaking any records on time here, but mm. I'm getting there. Every, as you say, every pedal stroke is mm. one less to do. So <laughs> one pedal stroke at a time. And that that but that for me was the hardest day. But I think because a lot of it was in my head that I was mm. worried that it was going to break me. Mm. Yeah, so true. Wow. Well, well done. You did it. Thank you. <laughs> now, I'm curious, you know, to do the Tour de France route, you know, I mean, just the day before they actually start taking off and following that along. I mean, do you need a special permission to do that? Or can anyone in the public actually ride it ahead of time? 
anyone can do it um because the roads are actually open so that's mm. just an, another thing you're battling with is you know traffic on the roads too and the mm. roads are, can be quite busy because people are trying to head to the Tour de France to get their spot for the guys to come through the next day. So anyone can do it, but logistically it's hard to do because the route is moving every single day. So we had, you know, to change location with hotels basically every night and stuff. So to do it unsupported would be very hard. You'd have to carry all your staff and, and, and wow. things like that. So you'd need someone with, you know, transport, um, a car or van or something because it's often, it's not just from A to B and then from, from B the next day, it's a, a, then a transfer and mm. to a, 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 another town. So mm. it, it can be tricky. So you'd, ne you'd need support if you're going to do it. Mm. Yes, yes. A lot of details to consider. Now I'm yeah. curious, what was the, one of the fondest memories that you have with your team out there? Just one of the funnest times, you know, or the happiest times that you had? I think um, one of the funnest times was... In the on the tour my parents actually came down to visit for a couple of days and followed us around a bit oh, and they cool. stayed in a hotel that had a swimming pool and one, <laughs> after one of our long days we went around and just dove in the pool and it just then felt normal we felt like we'd actually escaped from you know what had been quite you know a, mm. Mentally exhausting and and obviously physically exhausting time that we were suddenly on holiday because mm. we were in a different location in our swim in swimsuits and that was actually really fun and we had a meal out and everything like that so although we loved being on the tour it was also really very hard and the accommodation we were staying in wasn't great and yeah. um, it's all quite budget <laughs> and then suddenly we were yeah we we're in a hotel with a swimming pool and that that was fun <laughs> yeah definitely sounds like a nice respite from all that grueling climbing you were doing yeah. Glad yeah. you were able to have some fun and vacation a little bit. Yeah. Now, Luke, kind of getting back to some of the uh, gritty, gritty type of stuff, the training. What does that look like for you on a weekly basis? I mean, how many times a week are you typically riding? Six. So I have one rest day a week, which is a Monday, um, mm. which is fine. I think, oh, that's my favorite day of the week. I actually get quite moody on that day. It's really strange. Huh. I, I wish I'd just enjoy it and be like, oh, I don't have trains today. But I just, I get a bit kind of fidgety and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so I train six days a week. Um, it's a mixture of, of stuff. A lot of zone two, you know, yourself mm. with like endurance. It's just hours in the saddle and stuff. Mm. So um, currently I'm doing about, about 10 hours a week. Um, so most days are about an hour and a half. Um, some days I'd have some shorter interval type sessions and then a long ride at the weekend or something. But I'm actually doing the majority of my stuff on turbo at the moment. So I'm inside um, just by choice. I, I, I don't like getting absolutely freezing or soaked and the weather in UK is not great. So, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of my sessions indoors on turbo so I can hit all my numbers and stay fairly comfortable. Watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's funny. Like at the moment, yeah. Any any memorable Netflix show that you uh, you've seen recently? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> earlier on in the year I did a big session. A bunch uh -huh. of us got online and did 100 miles together, and I oh. binge watched Tiger King. That was mental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Now, yeah, where would you put yourself <laughs> on a scale of one to ten? Ten being extremely fit. Where would you put your current fitness right now? Yeah, I think I'm 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 really up there as still quite fit. So my coach 
hasn't taken me off season or anything yet because mm. I keep signing up for stuff. So, you know, mm. we were ready to do the Tour de France. Then we did our, our virtual Tour de France and Everesting. I then did that Red Bull uh, 24 hour thing. Mm. Then we did the Revolve 24 hours. I Everested last weekend. So I think, you know, my endurance and fitness is, is still is still really up there. So I think he, he my coach wants me to do another couple of weeks a ramp test on Christmas Eve. And then I think, I think that's because he wants to sit. He thinks I'm going to be higher than what I was last time I did one and got my FTP of 250. So I think he almost wants to, to know that I'm even higher than that and then give me a little bit of a break over Christmas new year and then start ramping up again. But yeah, so I, I think I am, I'm pretty fit at the moment. Yeah, that's cool. No, it's yeah. nice when you feel like that and it's cool to be able to do all these events and feel in good form. That's yes. fantastic. Now tell yeah. me, aside from the RAM test or FTP test, what is one of the workouts that you just hate to see on your training plan for the week? One of the most difficult ones or just one of the most boring ones? Or I think the VO, VO2 max stuff is hard. So like, you know, when you're right up at your threshold, I, fi I find some of those sessions hard. And my coach has been kind of mixing them up a bit that last week I had to do three lots of 10 minutes at 250 watts this wow. week i had to do six lots of five minutes at 250 watts that mm. felt a bit easier because each of the stints was smaller but it was still horrible by the end i was a sweaty mess and i was fed up wishing my ftp wasn't as high so i didn't have to suffer as much <laughs> <laughs> all the ones where you're up at your threshold is yeah. anything you can't sustain for you know forever is, mm. is hard um because i i'm endurance i like to just you know toot along a comfortable a comfortable you know pace and and stuff so yeah that is those ones that are the killers all the really long ones especially in this weather i'm just like oh i don't want to go out for five hours or whatever so yeah those ones are tough as well yeah that's so true but it's what's made you such a strong rider and so it's impressive what you've been able to accomplish in your fitness. And of course that allows you to do so many amazing adventures. And I'm curious here in the US, is there a particular event that you're interested in participating in one day? No, just 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 exploring and stuff on my bike, I suppose. I, I took part in a few events in Texas. They, they do a really cool thing there, which is the um, European tour of Texas. There's a few towns in Texas that have got European names like Norway and, and there's a Paris in Texas and stuff like that. And they do like a bike rally around those towns and stuff. And that was fun to tick off a few of those. Um, so, yeah, just exploring different events and, and stuff in America is what I enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, no, there's so much to explore. It's a beautiful country out here as well. But of course, it's a large world that we live in. And you've done a lot of exploring. And of course, in one of the best places to bike in France. So yes. I think many of us will be envious of that and hope we can come out for such an adventure someday. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go to Colorado as well. I've only been there in the winter. Hmm. But, you know, I, the roads up there look pretty cool, um, mountains and stuff like that. And also yeah. I've, one of my teammates, she lives in California and she often does videos when she rides up in the Hollywood Hills. I think that looks really cool as well. The view ah, down in LA yes. and stuff, that looks awesome. I oh, love cool. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice to have you out here for that. Now for the internationals, any plans to ever do a relay team for the Race Across America we haven't thought about it, but and that would be incredible to do something like that. Yes. Yeah. We had um, a, a couple of our, the, the girls who, who did the tour with us last year from Australia 
they've done some major um, endurance events like that. So their their Australian team is called the Velaroos, and they've done um, a race around Ireland and race across America. Um, so yeah, a couple wow. of the girls have done it. I, th- I think I would like to do something like that. Yeah. Oh, Maybe cool. Exciting. Once we've once we've battled for equality and we've got the same for the women, this is the men have got in the Tour de France, then maybe we'll we'll change to doing something else. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we'll look for the internationals on the race roster. Yeah. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, what um, for the internationals, you know, and and the cause of fighting for equality for women. Aside from what you are all doing, what can the everyday cyclist or just the everyday person do to also support? I think just watching you know and appreciating female racing um if there's more call for you know the coverage then the coverage will happen so if if women's racing is on watching you know talk to people about it follow the pros on social media because a lot of them you know they're incredible they're so strong they're so inspiring some of them have got such fantastic personalities they come across amazingly in interviews and all that kind of stuff because they're just natural and they but you just don't hear enough about them. They're amazing role models, but they're just not out there enough. So yeah, following the females, the female races and all that kind of stuff, talking to friends about it, encouraging other women just to get on bikes. And, and you know, so, so then it will go all the way up through. So little girls don't have to think, oh, I'm a girl, I shouldn't be on a bike. They should think no differently to their brother. They should be able to just ride and see people on TV and races the same as them. So it's just, yeah, all the way through, just encourage people from little girls to to grown-ups to be on bikes and appreciate women being on bikes. Mm, Yeah, well said. It sounds like there is something for all of us to be able to do. So we'll all make it a point. And uh, it is great to see such strong women Riding and I know a lot of the time, especially in the ultra cycling world, you can never judge a book by its cover, no matter your age or your gender. There's so many strong racers. And I think as ultra cyclists, I think we probably have a greater appreciation for it because in the ultra cycling world, there are so many female racers mm. out there and they're oh, so fast yeah, and strong. Last year and the right. um, she won that race at female. It was just fantastic. And yeah, yeah, yeah. W- women are great at endurance. Um, of course and you know can do it so it's just you know it, it so another thing people can do is if you hear you know people saying what is a load of rubbish about what women can and can't do mm. question them on it and just say you know hang on that's not okay it's like mm. it's like with racism as well now it's not okay to to do that to do that you you need mm. to call people out on their action just being silent is not good enough you have to stand up for for things when Mm. you believe in them about sexism and racism and stuff it's just not okay anymore thankfully the world has woken up and you know people will make a stand now on stuff that's not right Mm. discrimination in any form it's just not okay yeah i couldn't agree more that's very well said and you have to take a stand and it is very important and to come together to do that and and so again thankfully that we do have a group of cyclists one of many that are standing up, being confident, leading the way. You guys yeah. are all definitely pioneers. And so that's very exciting. I will say also, women are not just great at endurance, but also I think very well-trained in sleep deprivation, especially for those <laughs> who have had children. <laughs> yeah, you'll have, be experiencing that, I'm sure, gosh. Yes, I have. And I, I don't know how mothers do it, 
but of course, super moms uh, is a name and a title for every mother for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's all—it's a form of torture, isn't it? Goodness oh, me, it's awful. <laughs> <man>. I know. <laughs> Lucky babies are cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only thing that keeps mothers going, huh? <laughs> With a smile, you're like, okay, I forgive you. You've yeah. wrecked my life, but you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lou, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And kind of as we wrap up here, I'd love to know just a, a few other short things. You know, first one I'm wondering, just very curious about, what what female pro cyclist uh, perhaps is your favorite, has inspired you, or one that you look up to? There's, there's so many of them. I think my favorite in interviews is Cecile Ludwig. Uh, she is just brilliant. She's, um, she's, she's just natural and she's, she's fun and she's an excellent racer as well. She's, yeah, she, she's my favorite. I love to see her do well. Um, and then, yeah, I, they're, all, they're all really wonderful. Marianne Voss is obviously classic. Lizzie Dignan, she's the UK um, cyclist who won La Course this year. Mm. There's there's so many role models. I just want to see more of them on TV. That's yeah. that's what we want, just to see, just to see more of them. Mm. I, love I, I just quickly I, searched here on Wikipedia. Uh, yes. Is this Cecile? Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Oh, okay, wow. You that's have so to cool. watch her interview. She's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. She's brilliant. Um, I was inspired by, uh, in, we had the Olympics here in London in 2012, mm. and a lot of the cyclists in then, Victoria Pendleton, they, I think that kind of got me watching cycling before I even, you know, started it, because that was eight years ago, and that started, I think that probably started the thought process of thinking, oh, cycling's pretty cool, actually, and a lot of those women were amazing. Um, I'm lucky enough to know Dame Sarah Story. Now, she's, mm. um, she's a Paralympian. She was a swimmer and now cyclist, and she's incredible. So inspiring. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of great stories to be shared. And again, it's it's such a uh, privilege to be able to hear yours. And I'm sure there's many great stories there amongst your team members. We'll have to have others on the show as well. And uh, it's just it's just cool to be able to chat. I think it is a very unique topic that we haven't covered yet on the show. And I hope this is the start of much more. I'd love to kind of conclude with a couple of the photos you sent. I mean, I just, I, I think for any person, male or female, looking at this photo, how could they not think cycling is cool? Yeah. I mean, I think you're one of the coolest cyclists I've ever seen, male or female. <laughs> There's <laughs> so a lot keep... of color going on there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is just such an epic photo. And uh, yeah, we could tell, you know, very serious game face there. Yeah. in charge. Love that's that. up in um that's northeast england there's some really cool hills up there actually it's good training mm. and the headwinds are shocking oh, oh gosh it's tiring but it's good good training <laughs> yeah wow to have that kind of perspective really speaks volumes about about yourself <laughs> and i love this photo just a wonderful <laughs> smile and yeah it's all all serious and focused training but you know you know how to have fun how to live I, a little yeah <laughs> so just a couple short sprint round to the finish line questions. Okay. This is a fun way to end. What do you think most people don't realize about ultra cycling or long endurance cycling? You know, whether it's a non-cyclist or just a non like ultra long distance cyclist. I think, I, I think people who, who don't do it think that we find it easy or something. They hmm. don't, they don't realize that 
what we go through to get it done that it, it doesn't come naturally and you can't just get up and go and do you know multi-day events you train for it you fuel for it and you mm. suffer like hell during it so mm. i think people don't realize that because they just think oh i couldn't do that when actually if they put their mind to it and wanted to do it of course they could do it mm. yeah that's so true it's very true there's so much hard work blood sweat and tears that goes into it and unless you do it for yourself or perhaps even crew for somebody that's doing yeah. it, you'll never really know and appreciate it. Correct. Yeah. So of course, as a fellow ultra cyclist myself, I mean, you know, you riding the tour de France route, that is no easy feat. And mm -hmm. a lot of even cyclists, even if they think I'm doing something like that, I mean, maybe a bucket list item sometime in their life, but it can be even intimidating, even for a cyclist to be able to even consider signing up to do something like that. Yes, and the fact yeah. that, that you women have done that and continue to do that, it's just incredible. So what do you want to know, be known for as a cyclist at the end of the day, Lou? I think, I think it's the equality stuff. I think, you know, for me that that is so important and that we're making a difference for the future generations so that little girls can have the same opportunities as their brothers. That for me would just be a wonderful thing to be known for having made some change and made a difference in that. Mm. And I think a lot of change and difference already made. Of course, it's one of those things, you know, you only recognize for it later on. <laughs> yeah. But a lot in, in action already. And so keep it going. Okay, fun Thanks. question. How would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale of oh. one to 10, 10 being excellent, you know, lubing your chain, changing out your tubes and tires and, you know, all that good stuff, washing your bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were to look at my bike right now, there's still mud on it from a week ago. My chain definitely needs changing. It's so loose, but it's clean. I cl ah, so okay. I wouldn't you get credit. And I certainly wouldn't be a nine. So I reckon right. I'm probably about a three. Okay, <laughs> I do have not to bad. Done, but I'm yeah. a bit, I'm a bit lazy at times. And yeah, yeah. I should, I should be kinder to my bicycle because it's <laughs> kind to me and has changed my life. So yes, I should go and clean my bicycle now. <laughs> That's a great perspective. All right. So before bed, you have to clean your bike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so Lou, do you already, I mean, is one of your bikes, is that already your dream bike or is there still one out there on the horizons that you're just dying to have? No, the, the one that's on the way. So what I have, but with disc brakes is my dream bike. Yeah, mm, I'm very so lucky cool. to be able to, to have that, yeah. Yeah, beautiful bikes. Hope to see it here in the US soon. Yeah. I okay, so last question, Lou. Who would you mm -hmm. want to nominate for an episode on this show? A story that has inspired you or you think that it's just so interesting, fascinating to be told? Oh, if, if you could get Cecile <laughs> Ludwig on there, you would have a great interview <laughs> with her. So yeah, more female cyclists because their stories mm -hmm. are interesting and sometimes the battles that they've had to go through to either be taken seriously as a cyclist or just start cycling um, is... is is, is interesting a lot of the time so yeah i'd be um i'd be interested to hear hear more women on your show for sure all right fantastic we'll definitely make it a point proud to have featured many stories already but i would encourage everyone to check out the internationals on facebook there's also a wonderful instagram page follow the journey join the cause have a lot of fun adventures with all these women from all around the globe you can also check out their website, internationals.com, and learn all about what Lou and her team are up to. See a great set of women there. 
So Lou, it's been a great pleasure and privilege to have you on the show. Hope to have you and your team on the show again in the near future. Tailwinds for all of your upcoming adventures and well, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope you have a strong and wonderful 2021 coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been really, really fun chatting to you. Yes, yes, indeed. So everyone watching at home, hope you had fun, got some inspiration for those female cyclists who are on the fence about doing something big and audacious. Look to Lou's story, look to the international, see what they're doing, follow their journey, get some encouragement and inspiration from them. And let's all do our part to join in fighting for the quality of women and just everyone else in all facets of life. We all deserve to be able to enjoy the same kinds of things that men have been doing in the Tour de France and in other areas. And so if you can follow them on Facebook, on Instagram, check out their website, shoot them a message, give them some positive feedback. And until next time, everyone keep spinning ultra. <laughs>